debates, roasting, and fun in Jeet Nation's newest podcast, Breaking Ring Rust. And it starts right now. Welcome back, Marks, to another episode of Breaking Ring Rust, a pro wrestling podcast by Jeek Nation. My name is Rockin' Mr. Magic, and I am joined, as always, by my colorful co-host, the Cold Heart, JT. What up, Cold Heart? Another day in paradise. Yes, indeed, my friend. Yes, indeed. Well, I am excited for this episode, and we want to spend another thank you, a special thank you uh, to last episode's guest, the legendary Russian nightmare Nikita Koloff for joining us. And uh, this is going to be the two of us this week, back to the normal grind. And we testing a new format here, so we hope you really like it. So we're going to start this episode with some quick hits around the world of wrestling. So first, newsworthy anecdote here is that Taz will be a guest announcer for AEW Dark in Philly. What do you think of this for AEW? Um, I think it's good. I mean, obviously, you know, Taz has great history in Philly. Um, you know, Taz is a is a, a notable name from the past. Um, not sure what cachet his name has nowadays, uh, but I think anytime you can bring someone like him in, it's good. Um, you know, it would be interesting to see what he could do for them. I think Taz could be a tool for AEW because he does have uh, background as a trainer and obviously as a color commentator. Uh, but where would what they would do with him now? I'm not sure on a full time basis. But uh, I do think he's an asset they could use. And if WWE is not going to use him, um, you know, maybe he's another person they could scoop up. Um, of course, now, and in the kind of the culture that wrestling's in now, uh, you know, is this something Taz is doing maybe to get noticed by WWE again? Possibly. I, uh, I haven't seen AEW Dark, so I don't know if it's darker. Um, I don't know if it's more hardcore, but him being a guest announcer definitely makes sense if AEW Dark fits that strain. And like you said, it could be Taz kind of auditioning for another spot because currently the announcing situation is not so great in New York. Right. Um, yeah. And having watched Raw this week, um, yeah, the announcing uh, on Raw is definitely not so good. It's not. That team does not mesh well, unfortunately, for them. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, for as good as everyone talks about how, um, you know, everyone says, you know, the, the greatest broadcast team of all time was, was uh, you know, you, you, people kind of fall on two sides that see their Monsoon and Heenan or, or Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross. Right. You know, that's generally two sides feel fallen. You realize when you have King with anyone else other than Jim Ross, how much Jim Ross was of that. Yeah. Because, um, you know, you can tell how uncomfortable he is with the other host and how little chemistry he has with them. And, um, you know, it, it, King had commentary or chemistry with, in my opinion, two people. One was Jim Ross. The other one was Vince McMahon. Well, um, he had some chemistry with Michael Cole. I, see, I, I you say that, and I've actually listened to a lot of their stuff lately. Um and and I don't feel it. Okay. I, I, I mean, I think there they, was. They had. Passed. I mean, I'll, I'll put it to it's a lot better than his work with anybody else aside from Vince and, and JR. I mean, it's third best, yes, but it wasn't like King and JR. You could tell there was a rhythm there, there was natural chemistry. They just knew how to, when to antagonize, when to, 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 to um, to co-harmonize together. Right. They knew how to play off each other. They knew just what to do. Lawler knew how to rile Vince up and he knew how to just play along and do things with Vince. 
Uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, 2009, 2010 lately. And, uh, you know, I think with Jim Ross gone and with a lot of things being so overly directed in their headsets and stuff, mm-hmm. he and Cole never had that. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. Uh, if you let Michael Cole be himself, he he is a much better broadcaster than people realize. Like yeah, if you go back and credit. like if you go back and watch the United Kingdom tournament in 2017, the first UK tournament they did, uh, mm-hmm. he's doing the commentary there, and he's not being directed. He's just doing the commentary, and he's great. But when he's on Raw or SmackDown, and there is someone in his headset, mm-hmm. um, I don't. I, I don't even find him good, really. Okay. And, uh, you know, and with King, it was too much. And, you know, and Lawler's come out lately and said that he doesn't enjoy commentating. Yeah, he said that after the the first New Raw season yeah, and, premiere or whatever they called it. Yeah, and so, um, and I think that reflects in his work. Um, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't enjoy it, it's not going to sound good. Right. And so, especially he's not going to try to connect with um, Black Utaku and the other guy. I forget. The guy's doing Dio Madden. Play. No, Dio Madden. He goes by Black Utaku. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, the, the the play-by-play guy, I forget. His yeah. Name. Yeah, they're they're all pretty forgettable. And it's – it's. Uh, I watch Raw this week, uh, and which a lot of times I will admittedly skip or just watch certain highlights and stuff. But – um, I sat down and watched this week, and I was just like, you know, eh, you know, because right now I'm, I, you know, for 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 those who don't know, uh, I went on like a self-imposed hiatus from wrestling from for basically eight years, almost to the day, from September of 2008 until, um, well, summer of 2016. And so I decided, and I would keep up with it somewhat. Like I'd read a little bit here and there, or I'd watch an episode here or there. So I knew things that were happening, but I wasn't dedicated to it. So I went and I would watch a WrestleMania or I'd watch this or that here or there. But um, I I decided I'm going to sit down and watch every pay-per-view that I missed from, uh, from that time going forward going to 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 when i pick back up Mm -hmm. and so having done that i've seen a lot of stuff and once uh jr stepped aside there was a i think it was originally with his health reasons but there was there was a big change and that you could see there um and and i don't think they've ever found i mean michael cole does get dumped on a lot but i do think they never really found that that true voice that could do what Jim Ross did. Right. Okay. Um, Next on the list here is Finn Balor is back on NXT. Do you consider this a demotion for Finn Balor? Absolutely. I mean, NXT by its definition is the minor leagues. Right, you know, it's, it's and, a developmental territory. Yeah, it, it, it's their minor leagues. It's their triple A system. Being on, being on TV in NXT is basically triple A, if we're going to use a baseball analogy. Right, okay? like going in there and being in in the initial class. We were teaching the first class. Now that's single A ball, and and then working matches on the road is double A ball, and then being on TV is triple A. Okay. Uh, so he voluntarily went back to triple A ball or, or what, whether it's voluntary or whatever, but he's back in triple A ball. Right. And you're talking about a guy who, you know, a little over three years ago was the world champ, universal champ, whatever you want to call it. Right. And now he's back in triple A and, and it's, you know, last we see a Finn on the main roster, he basically, get squashed by the fiend and then he's going to come back 
and not go seek vengeance. Not go and look to Rai's name, not get the demon to go after the fiend, which could be an interesting match. Right. And an interesting story. Especially since the demon's undefeated. Right. He doesn't do that. He instead is going to be like, oh, well, I'll just go back to the miners. And again, I'll be a big fish in a small pond. And don't get me wrong, I think him and Adam Cole probably have some great matches, and that's probably what they'll push towards pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I'll enjoy seeing those, but, you know, what does that really prove, and what does that do for his career, and what does that do for his income, and what does that do for, you know, his merchandising and things like that? I get that they want to kind of put stars and I'm and I know their argument is we know we're putting stars on Wednesday nights to combat AEW. Right. But at the same time, you know, our you know is a major league team gonna take a guy who's an all star, maybe not the MVP of the league, but a guy who's an all star and put him in triple A. No, I mean, they, unless that all stars coming back from an injury rehab, no, right. And, and if that and if that's the case, if Finn Balor's coming back from an injury rehab and he's going to have a feud with Adam Cole and maybe Tommaso Ciampa and then come back, then okay, then that makes sense to me. Because um, when he comes out, you know, his music hits, he, he does the poses and. Um, and the, and the announcers going off about his accomplishments. His former Universal Champion, multiple-time Intercontinental Champion, Finn Balor's back on NXT. And it's like, okay, obviously he's the most over guy. He's a former Universal Champion. He's been to the mountaintop. So, yeah, everyone else we know, and they, this is NXT. This is they're they're not on his level. Is what you're saying, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to be permanently on that brand compared to someone like, um, like like Fandango and, and Tyler, Tyler Breeze, yeah. you know, who are also back. It makes sense for them. They've never been in the mountaintop. They got close, you know, on the least tag division wise, but it makes sense for them. To, it makes it looks like more of a lateral move for them. But he he was a upper level he was a top guy and for him to go back it's a whole different whole different thing right and and to me it makes unless they're going to say okay nxt is a third brand and it's equal to us it doesn't make sense and they're not doing that because nxt is still the developmental territory right and if they did do that you can't call it nxt right because that, that that makes no sense to call it NXT and say it's a third brand. Then you'd have to break out the ECW name again or WCW or come up with another third brand name to, and then, and then you all have to add that into your whole draft and everything else. Like you have to actually treat it like a third brand. Right. And, and, and I, you know, to me, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't catch NXT that week. I just saw like the, the, clips of it and you know saw Finn was on NXT and I thought oh well they're they're just having at my first thought was oh they're just having Finn make an appearance for the premiere you know it's just he's just making an appearance and then when I realized oh no he's actually there he's he's switching right he's switching teams like you know it's like giving up it's just like saying oh well you know and I'm like, I get why they're saying it or why they're doing it, why they're why they're putting him there. Um, they want to have some star power there because there aren't the names there to compete or to or to overshadow AEW. Right. But at the same time, you're basically saying, oh, this guy couldn't cut it. Let's put him back. Right. But he could cut it. Exactly. And he and, was cutting it. You know, and so, um, and, and I think it affects people too differently because Finn was such an indie darling. And, oh, yeah. And and he's going was, back to the indie, to, right. to their indie promotion. They're not taking um, a Randy Orton or, uh, right. you know, someone else who was a WWE quote unquote guy. 
and putting him there. Yep. Uh, it's it it's one of the fans guys, and they're putting him there. And and, I, and I'm sure their rationale for that would be, but he's the person they would want there, you know. Well, he's he's the person the full sale crowd would want there, but like you said, it everyone he's actually to me like one of their premier their first indie guys that they molded into what they want so he's he's like the first to really go through that treatment and get to the top i mean you know because he kind of got there before rollins and now it's like okay all right so you're gonna bring him back and what what is he what is he gonna do? Is he gonna automatically challenge for the NXT championship? Is he there just to rehab? Like who and who knows what what is the point of this uh, of the story? Like because not only do you, do you have him show up at the beginning of the show, then at the end of the show, Chompa shows up. Yeah. And he's back. So so okay, is it are we gonna get a triple threat with Chompa, you know, Balor and, and Adam Cole? Like what what what's happening here? Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense you know because we know champa is coming back for the belt they, right he, he made that clear when when they put it on johnny you know that he's coming when he comes back he's coming back for the belt and then also johnny's back because you know that that call-up didn't last more than a week or two so what are you what are you doing with gargano do you have four guys in your title picture now like you know and then riddle had that title shot that on that uh, episode, so it's like, is are they moving Riddle up into that level as well? Like, what what's what's really going on? It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a, it's a bit convoluted right now. There's a lot of things that are going on with NXT that doesn't make sense, and and they basically here's the thing that's really bad for NXT is that they threw this huge show against AEW. They threw like a a takeover level show at NXT. Right. And then lost in, in a ratings landslide. You know, when you look at that show that they had, that could have easily been a takeover. And it basically was for nothing. And it was really a better quality show than the AEW show. I don't, I haven't seen anybody dispute that. I haven't seen anybody go, well, I mean, the show AEW put on was much better quality and it had much better matches and the qual and, and the stars were much better. I haven't seen anybody say that. You know? it, it, it just wasn't as anticipated as the AEW right. show was. Right. You, know? you, you can't beat the anticipation of a brand right. new show. Right. It was just, you know, everyone that I, you know, that, Every review that I read, you know, whether it was fans or, you know, so-called experts were all going, well, you know, you know, technically NXT was better, but AW still won, you know, right. so. Well, you know, but whatever, you know, ratings, you know, whatever you can take away from that, you know, we all, they all like to say, okay, look at the ratings. This is terrible. But again, WCW won for 83, three weeks. And, you know, where are they now? Yeah. All right. So speaking of AEW, um, this most recent AEW Dynamite, Chris Jericho revealed his stable, the Inner Circle, which is Jericho's first stable since Fuyuki Goon in 95. What do you think of this stable of Chris Jericho, Jack Hager, Sammy Guevara, and formerly known as LAX. Um, well, a, as you know, I can't really take anything with Jack Hager seriously. Um, you know, it's uh, Jake Hager. They, they kept on Jake and, uh, Hager, and uh, JR kept calling him Jack accidentally on Dynamite. <laughs> you know, here, here's the thing. I, I respect everything he does in amateur. He has an incredible record and it's and it's really impressive it is but he's a guy with no balance and i said this to you the other day he 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 was he either looked like a, a wind up gorilla or he looked like he had to poop all the time you know and it was yeah. stuck you know that was you know it, it, it I, I can never take the guy seriously even knowing what his credentials was you know he he never could just be, you know, 
there's no between being serious and being intense, mm-hmm. you know. And he, you know, and and there's no between being goofy and being intense. And there's there's a goofy side to intensity. But he, and but when he would he come out at, and he would beat his chest and he did, ah, you know, he just looked goofy. He didn't look intense. He didn't look like, you know, he, he didn't look Batista intense or no, no, even he, Goldberg intense. He he looked like the older guy in the family playing with the kids at the family picnic. That's what he looked like. Okay. You know, he well, didn't. He, his, didn't. He, has, he has a baby face, and part of that hurt him. I think the beard that he has now, having a more scruffy look, helps him with the intensity because right now, who knows what his deal with them is and his deal with Bellator because obviously he hasn't had a match yet, but he has been physically involved. No one has attacked him, so I don't know if he's allowed to take any bumps, but obviously he's allowed to hit them. So he might have a, almost a Rick Rude type deal right now. Um, but I don't know if you caught Jericho's promo, but him just standing there, arms behind his back and staring intently, he looked intense and he didn't look goofy. So if he's going to stand there, there's the tall, strong giant, and then they have him work some matches, and he's just going to be the muscle, I think it can. I think Jake could, could work out completely fine if that's what the plan is. I don't want him on the mic because he, he's not he's not a promo guy. Um, and let him just let him be the hustle, the, the muscle, let him be the heavy. I mean, and and if I never see him in Bellator again, that'll be fine, too, because, you know, they're only feeding him tomato cans. And, you know, he showed some pretty bad sportsmanship in his last fight. So um, there's no call for that anyway. That's how you get headlines in Bellator, duh. Yeah, but there's still no call for it. Oh, I, I, I agree. I agree. Well, then, um, what do you think of Santana and Ortiz and uh, and Sammy Guevara? Uh, you know the the new LAX guys. Um, you know, and I remember far enough back to the original LAX guys. Yeah. But the new, but you know, to me, this was the best version of LEX. Um, You know, I won't say the single best because I I, I still think, um, you know, Hernandez was the best guy in LEX. But, you know, uh, but I think they were the best team as far as As a tag team. As a tag team. Definitely. And not as fun as entertaining, but definitely a better team. Right. So I think. You know, they're, um, you know, they're definitely, uh, you know, going to be a force to be reckoned with. And they can definitely, uh, you know, with the right promotion and by putting them with Jericho, they're automatically going to be elevated to uh, uh, being seen as a top team and as a big deal for people mm-hmm. who don't know who they are. Uh, because let's face it, it's not like people watch Impact. So not a lot of people watch Impact. Yeah, right. I mean, even the people in Impact don't watch Impact. And then um, I know you've seen a little bit of Sammy Guevara with uh, some of the AEW pay-per-views. Uh, what do you What do you think of him in, as the, uh, the young baby in this group? I mean, he's a great talent. You know, he's. Um, you know, I think he needs some some kind of some roughing up, so to speak, if that if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because he is still kind of that baby, you know, uh, but just kind of he's he is now where like Tyler Bate was, say, two, three years ago. OK, yeah. If that makes sense. That makes sense. OK. But, you know, if you look at the progress uh, between now and where like Tyler Bate was, say, two and a half, three years ago, to where he is now. Mm-hmm. Very different progress, but he's been kind of roughed up. Right. You know. Gotcha. Okay. Um, this one may hit close to in your home. So uh, last night, Bailey goes full heel, mm-hmm. kills the inflatable men, mm-hmm. has a shorter haircut, and gets a semi-clean win over Charlotte Flair to recapture the SmackDown women's title. Yeah, my my daughter was not happy about any of this. Did you see the video of that little boy crying? <laughs> um, so, so not talking about what amused me, but um, the but like my daughter was just like, no, she killed the 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 Bailey buddies and 
she cut her hair and you know she's like happy she got the belt back but she doesn't know what to think about this but um i i thought her doing all this stuff was a bit overdue actually mm -hmm. <clears throat> because i'm like okay why are you pulling the trigger on her being a heel but she's still doing all this all like, this cutesy stuff yeah like why yeah. is this why is she why is she still yeah why why is she still doing the bailey buddies and and like shaking hands and kissing babies and doing all this stuff like you know it was i was like is she wailing mercy like what is you know what's going on here you know exactly i look at her and i'm like what heel has a waterfall ponytail and and so like I'm I'm glad they finally did something with it because it was just too cutesy. And so like that's two heel turns they've made in the WWE this week in the women's division. Because mm -hmm. now uh like even though they didn't really make it apparent on the pay-per-view when it happened, the Kabuki Warriors are now heels too. And like they kind of made it clear on Monday Night Raw, but like they didn't make it clear when they actually turned heel during the pay per view Monday or Sunday night. That's because everyone was so glad to see Oscar and then see Oscar win that no one cared if it was supposed to be heel turn. And you know, and I'm like, um, you know, my only hope is that. Uh, you know, if she's going to be a heel, Kari Zane stops doing the annoying little stupid stuff she does in the ring. Yeah, she needs to, to shift her character. Her, her, if she's still going to be a pirate, she's got to become a dark pirate. She's got to become, you know, a killer. Well, she's you know, doing the plank walk and all that other stuff and saluting and like you can't do that if you're going to be a heel. Well, if she's if you're going to be a pirate, then she needs to loot. Like she needs to start stealing things. Like if if her opponent has, you know, uh, what's she going to steal? What's she going to steal? Bret Hart's leather jacket? No, she's going to steal John B. Bad's bad blaster. Mm -mm. Like you know, like but she but she needs to you know she needs to steal things, steal some wins, you know, some cheap wins, some you know some. Uh, like Bailey was, you know, doing trying to do the pay per view. You put put the feet on the ropes for that extra leverage. You know, pull on mm -hmm. the tights. You need to start stealing something if you're going to be a heel pirate. Which Matt and I were talking about the other day. Heels don't do enough heelish things to win matches anymore. Like no, it it started. You know, I I it started you know several years ago, and I've noticed it more and more. Like. If heels, if we're gonna have faces and heels, heels need to do heelish things, like pull the tights to get a pin, put your feet on the ropes to get a pin. Otherwise, why am I booing you? Like, right. why, you know, if if you, you know, there was something to be said back in the day when the heel won the match, but you could walk away as a fan and go, "Yeah, you beat my favorite wrestler, but you had to cheat to do it." Right. You know, it was clear and, cheating. They, it was a right. clear low blow, a clear legs on the, you know. You hit them with a foreign the object. Somebody right. interfered, you know. But if, you know, Randy Orton's a heel and he RKO's and clean pins you every time, then he's just better. And, and what face does that save the baby face? Right. You know, you know, the whole, I mean, there was a formula in wrestling and I know people are going to say, oh, you, you know, you're being the, 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 the old school guy and, and you just can't accept things. But there was a reason the formula worked where, you know, the baby face chases the heel, the heel gets disqualified, and then the heel cheats and beats him, you know, and the baby face chases and chases and finally gets the win clean because exactly. it worked, you know, and people paid to see it, you yes, know. Indeed. And it was clear. You, you were telling clear, more concise stories. Right. And, 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 you know, I've been rewatching these, you know, you know, not old, but, you know, pay-per-views from 2008, 2009, 2010. And they were doing that back then. You know, you'd see Chris Jericho get himself disqualified and then he'd cheat to win. And then there'd be, oh, it's your last chance. And if you lose, you're not getting the belt. And then the baby face would go over one, two, three, clean in the ring, you know, and it worked and they get three months out of that. Right, exactly. You know, uh, now it's, 
okay. Uh, the babyface gets a shot, loses clean in the ring, gets another shot, loses clean again, it's done. And then they try to move on to something right. else. Yeah. And, and, and you're not making that person whole. You know, not saying the baby face has to win every time or win in the end, but there's a way that you can leave them whole. Exactly. We'll we'll touch on that again yeah. later on. Yeah. Um, so last quick hit. There are currently 11 wrestling promotions that broadcast on United States television uh, every day of the week. Counting local syndications. Not counting local syndications. So with that much wrestling on TV, is this the best time to be a wrestling fan or the worst or the worst of times i mean here's the thing like i i watched more wrestling in the past week week and a half than i have since i was probably in my early 20s okay, okay. so in 20 of, years okay so and and that was at a time where, you know, VHS days where I was, if I was at my house and I wasn't watching Sports Center or some other athletic competition on the game, I had a tape in. Um, Matt and I used to trade tapes all the time and we had, you know, a bunch of different tapes. And, and I would always have a tape in of some WWF event, NWA, WCW, you know, something. You know, even AWA stuff, you know, that I was watching all the right. time, you know, and some stuff I'd seen, I don't know how many times, you know, mm -hmm. um, like I told you, um, I don't know if I ever told you a story, the day I met Ivan Koloff, I had actually been watching Starcade 85 that morning. Mm. So I had actually just seen him and Nikita in the cage versus the Rock and Roll Express. And wow. so, like, literally, you know, like I just watched that match, hopped on my bike, rode up to Steamboat's gym. And then I'm on the hack squat and I look up and I'm Koloff's watching. That's pretty cool. And, and I'm like, and then he comes up and starts talking to me later. And I'm like, dude, like you think I'm making this up. I was literally just watching you like this morning. And he's like, really what match? And I tell him and we start talking, you know, but like, that was to me, like that was like the coolest coincidence ever, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, so he, so like I was always watching wrestling and, and, and so I've been trying to get through all this stuff, um, these pay-per-views and stuff I missed. And, and I even started watching some of the raws because some of the stuff actually got interesting. Um, and, um, but I, I could not imagine trying to keep up with all of the stuff that's on right now between AEW, WWE, um, impact, um, you know, everything else that's going on, you know, for a while I was trying to keep up with British pro wrestling because I really enjoy the stuff they do over there. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a real big fan of that after I saw, I started watching that because I got into, um, once I started listening to the, the vlogs from the Watt Culture guys mm -hmm. and they started promoting British wrestling. And, and so I started watching that a little before the WWE UK started. Um, I can't imagine trying to keep up with that. And I mean, well, it's, it's a ton. Like if you, I look at the schedule, you got on Sunday night, you got uh, championship wrestling, Hollywood championship wrestling. Monday, you've got raw and ring of honor. Tuesday, you got NWA power, AEW and impact. Wednesday, AEW and WWE with NXT. Thursday, uncharted beyond wrestling, uncharted territory. And then NXT UK Friday again with WWE with SmackDown on 205 Live, and then Friday, you also have PCW Ultra. Saturday, you've got Women of Wrestling, MLW Fusion, and New Japan. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of wrestling. Yeah. You know, if this was me at, you know, 14 to, say, 25? 20, no, no, 23 maybe then that'd be perfect you know but like beyond that like can't grasp it i don't blame you it, it's i can't imagine trying to write for one of the you know 
one of these dirt sheets like can you imagine trying to keep up with rumors for all that that's insane well i mean you just do what most of them do and just make it up as you go along <laughs> that's a good point yeah i i, I made a point to matt earlier today i asked him if one of our favorite cod one of our favorite um podcast hosts wondering if after a sick show if he's finally realizing that that you know dirt sheet writers are full of it most of the time you would think that after all these shows, you know, that he has done with uh, Pritchard and with. I didn't uh, say Pritchard. any names. I didn't say any names. I don't even say names, but I'm just saying those names. You know, you would think that he would know that or at least have an inkling to that. But uh, yeah, you never know. Well, that, Jinx, is our quick hits to Kohar and I and all the rest of the Jinx in the Jinx Nation community on Facebook. Just search for Jig Nation Community there on the Book of Faces. Hit join. Make sure you agree to the rules and you will begin your adventure with us. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly what we even missed. All right, welcome back, Jigs. It's time for some fun. We can play a little fantasy booker. So, again, in honor of our last episode's guest, Nikita Koloff, I'm going to have... JT book a match with Nikita and a wrestler not named Hogan or Michaels. You up to the challenge, JT? I am. <clears throat> and I, I did have advanced notice on this, and it gave me a chance to think about this. Um, not much notice, but a little bit of notice. So, uh, just a little bit. So you know, I I was I was tempted automatically to go with Randy Savage um, because Ooh, he be he good. was he was. But I'm like, you know, I've used Savage for a few things already. And I thought about Steamboat. But I thought, you know what? He used to team with Steamboat. Um, so let's think about somebody from his era that he wouldn't have crossed paths with. But still would have gotten a good match out of him. Hmm. So my thinking was, in 1986, Nikita Koloff in a cross-promotional match with Tito Santana. Ooh, okay. And in the closing moments of the match, we have Nikita, who was accompanied by Uncle Ivan. Nikita goes for the sickle. Mm -hmm. Tito ducks it, rebounds off the ropes, hits the flying forearm. Okay. Nikita rolls towards the other side of the ring. Tito makes the cover. The referee makes the three count. Ivan puts the foot on the rope. Referee sees the foot on the rope. <clears throat> waves off the three count. Tito mm. thinks he's won the match. Nikita stands up, cocks the arm. When Tito turns around, he hits the sickle. Tito's as the 360 cell that he was so good at. Nikita makes the cover. One, two, three. And Nikita takes the win. I like that finish. Okay, that would, yeah, Tito Santana, yeah, you definitely surprised me. I would have not have called that. That's fun. That is one for the simulators, folks. Wow. Nikita Koloff versus Tito Santana. And in 86, that would have been a good match. Yeah, that would have been a fantastic match. You're definitely, definitely right. Awesome. Well, we are going to transit into our main topic of this evening now it's a little bit of it's a little it's not old it's only a little bit over a week old but we're still talking about it because the internet's still talking about it and matt so, still hasn't calmed down about it i haven't calmed down about it. you you are 100 right about that i am not calmed down about it and i'm glad i'm not the only one so in case you've been under a rock brock lesnar squashed kofi kingston in six seconds to become wwe champion again uh on the premiere of SmackDown Live on Friday night. And uh, myself, and including JT and others, have a problem with this. So we're going to break this match down into the situation. I'm not, 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 not going really to call yeah. Yeah, well, well, say There's not much to break down the match. Right. We're, we're going to break up the situation into three parts. The match, the impact of the wrestlers, and the story. So let's first start with the six-second match. So, um, bell rings. Kofi runs at Brock. Uh, Brock scoops him up in a fireman's carry, transitions it into the F5 uh, cover, and there's your winner. Um, and that's the match. 
which sucks. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's not a way to score that, you know, un unless it's in the Tokyo Dome. That it gets and, 15 stars. Right. And uh, so, <clears throat> I mean, there's not a whole lot to break down about that. I mean, that was literally the entire match. Uh, there was no... Uh, sneak attack there was no kofi wasn't ready kofi was actually the aggressor um there was no kick out there was no um there was a multiple s5 it was uh literally just a a squash job you mean there was none of those things that a month ago it took against seth rollins right you know all those f5s and all you know all of the times he had fought rounds the sneak attacks before the bell rang all right. those things required to be rounds or competing against rounds who was the same height and size right as kofi kingston and, and even though uh, kofi and rollins had a competitive match against each other right you know, yeah yeah we, we were just gonna over overlook that little detail mm -hmm. um i i can't I can't stand this. Like, I, I am of the opinion, and I said this um, probably to JT Shock. I don't care who the champion is. I don't care if it's the wrestlers I can't stand the most. I don't care if it's Hogan. I don't care if it's Punk. I don't care if it's Daniel Bryan. I don't care if it's anyone I can't stand. I don't care if it's Cena. If they're a champion, they should not be squashed. If they get beaten up, you know, if you if you squash them in six seconds because you sneak attacked them before the bell rang, fine. You show that you did the damage beforehand, chairs, whatever, and then you give them the ring, the bell rings, you hit a move or two, and then you and you cover them, fine. But no champion, you you've totally disrespected that their entire run, especially a dominant run like the way Kofi had. He pinned everybody, he beat everybody. And he didn't, and there weren't, there weren't any, you know, Kofi escaped this one, except for the first one against Orton where they did the double count out. Everything was a clean, dominant, trouble in paradise to the face, cover one, two, three. And he, uh, well, I mean, I will say one thing. I will qualify one thing. Uh, there was one time a champion got squashed that I think was perfectly acceptable. And that was, um, Taz and Mike Awesome when Awesome went to WCW. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Awesome was working for a different company then. Yeah, yeah. and you know, both they were. Yeah, that was just a weird situation with two employees of different companies in a squash match for another company's belt. But okay, I'll, I'll give you that exception. But for yeah. for any other, especially, it's like, come on, that that makes zero sense. Respect the man's run. You know, respect the fans who cheered throughout that run and let him go out i don't care if it's a two-minute match just give give us more than one f5 when it took what well gronk out of what two or three of them a month ago well Bra um well braun even when he sneak attacked braun in uh saudi arabia or wherever they were yeah or in united arab emirates or wherever yeah they were that time he you know braun kicked out of like five four or five six yeah. something like that mm -hmm. after he got hit with the belt right you know and was sneak attacked so that was just you know and i get it braun's a huge monster of a guy and he he shouldn't get pinned with just one but I mean, it does. It just doesn't say much about Kofi. And here's here's the thing. I know the story that they're going to tell. And if you had, and if Bruce Pritchard were going to talk about it on his podcast, he would say, "We weren't burying Kofi. We were. We weren't saying, look, this guy sucks. We we're saying, look, this guy beat the champ. Look how good he is. We weren't saying the champ is bad. We're just saying, look how much better this guy is." That's not the way people perceive it. Exactly. Because and, it doesn't make sense to perceive it that way. Right. You know, you have a guy snatch a grown man out of midair, throw him down and pin him, you know, and, you know, 
you know, it made him, it made him look bad and it diminished everything. And here's the thing. I, I don't think they, Kofi's run to me is one of the runs that I don't think they had the best booking behind anyway, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. because there have been runs in history where they brought a guy in, they elevated him and he beat a lot of top guys and it really established him. And you're like, okay, wow, he's good. You know, okay. Like when, for example, when they elevated Batista, he beat triple H three times. Right. And then he beat all these other guys and he held the belt for almost a year. Almost and, a he, year. and then he only gave it up because he got injured. So he, so he ended up, you know, being really well established. Right. And that match that, that he had against Taker, where he tore that um, muscle in his arm, that was brutal. Right. And so if he, so if you look at like somebody like that, but then you have other guys that went and when Jericho won his first world title, he beat. Austin and Rock the first in one night, right? And then in like subsequent pay per views, he beat Rock. He beat Austin. You know, he you know at, at Royal Rumble and No Way Out, and mm-hmm. you know, and so he they they were trying to do something with him. But then there are guys that like along the way just didn't seem to have those main event title runs, like. Um, like CM Punk's first title run, he wins it from Edge after he got beat up by Bautista. Right. And then he's main eventing against JBL at SummerSlam. You know, like yeah, it's you know, and and I kind of felt that way with Kofi because I mean, if you look at it, it's like okay, here's Kofi, and who's he facing? Big. I mean, like yeah, he won at WrestleMania. That was huge. Like there's yes. no disputing that. That's and, he, and, he, and he went and over he had, against a top, a top right. worker in Daniel and, and and Daniel Bryan made him look like a star that night. But then after that, it was like, okay, what did they do with him? Yeah, Dolph exactly. Ziggler, right. Dolph Ziggler. And it's like Dolph hadn't been around in months, which I was thankful of. But you, you've got Dolph, who's been a stand-up comedian for six months come back and work against him. Right. And then you have Kevin Owens, who's been like on and off and face and heel. And we, we, we just don't know what's going on with KO. He's had right. a crazy and, 2019. And Kevin Owens was a top guy two years before, but they haven't really made anything out of him. Right. And if it was Kevin Owens now, it would have been a bigger deal than Kevin Owens when he fought Kofi. What does that say? True. And it wasn't until they did Samoa Joe. Right. And Samoa Joe, even when he faced and Samoa Joe, who had just lost the U S title to Rey Mysterio. And so it's like, it, it didn't seem like they were really lining him up against guys who were world beaters. And then when he faced Randy the first time, he didn't go over. Right, you know, and the whole thing was it's this story of of vengeance for from you know ten years of being buried by Randy Orton. He eventually did beat Randy, but it it just didn't feel like which I I, I was shocked. I didn't think they were going to have him beat him. Which, like, if you look at how long he held the title, it was six months. Right, he beat during that time one huge name. But he'd be one. He'd be one big name to get it, and then during the run, he'd be one big name. Yeah. Right. And so, if you look at that, it's just like, okay, what's going to be memorable about that run? And even the winning at Randy wasn't at SummerSlam. Right. So, it's like, what? 
I, I, I didn't feel like they were putting their all behind. It's like, yeah, you, you won the title at WrestleMania and you look like a star doing it, but what'd they do afterwards? Yeah. And so, and then to me, to me, a bigger problem, my biggest problem was not the six second loss was not him losing to Brock, which, which I do have a significant problem with Brock being the champion again. Um, was there's become a thing in wrestling now that's almost tradition that hey when someone comes out and they lose a big match that the chance get fans get a chance to uh, appreciate the the guy who lost the match right and get to say thank you to him and when somebody loses a title they get to appreciate that person and applaud them and say thank you to them and the fans and Kofi were denied that because they went from him losing the title directly into another angle with Cain Velasquez. Which is just stupid, but... Right. And, and so, and I think that showed a lack of respect for Kofi and the fans because instead of having Brock hit it, boom, win, roll out of the ring, celebrate with the belt, and walk out, and then have Kofi just be like upset and shocked, the New Day guys come out and, you know, console him and then the crowd, you know, just be right. like, Kofi or thank you, Kofi. Yeah, and you and know. Then, and Xavier and Biggie right. get to hype the crowd up to, right. to cheer for Kofi. Right. And have that moment. There's, to me, there's no way you can't tell me you couldn't have budgeted time for the show to do that. Cut to a commercial have them leave during the commercial, have Brock and Heyman walk back out to have their big adulation, you know, Heyman cutting a promo, and right. then, you know, and then do the angle with Kane. And, and to me, the angle with Kane, it's so stupid because you're, you're doing it for crown jewel, and it's, it's, you're doing it for this money grab. Um, you're not doing it for story because you're not going to put the belt on Kane Velasquez, uh, who's had like three matches in AAA. You know, no one, no one believes that it wouldn't have any shadow of a doubt that Brock isn't going to go over in that match. I mean, this, this is this is almost like um, you know Warrior Hogan in WCW. Like no that, one that was that was exactly the the analogy I was about to make. He's pulling a Hogan, he needs to get his win back. Yeah, because no one believes that cave last quest is going to beat him nobody especially for the title well like, to on. me to me it, it, the weirdest thing about this is you got a guy who's who's got like two matches career yeah, two under, his belt. Career under his belt and, and, and I mean, he, he looked all right but, and he's well i mean he's looked great in the matches he's had but yes. there's there between doing you know a couple matches on a smaller scale than doing matches for wwe you know, yes. on and, a global yeah. scale and, and, and doing, you know, and he's, and this guy getting signed by WME, like right off the bat. And it's kind of like, didn't we learn anything from Rhonda? Yeah. Especially when his, he looked great in his matches, but that, that was in AAA and, you, and he was working a Lucha Libre style with Luchas and who, and anyone who works with Luchas generally, they make you look amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, because they're they're gonna flip and bump all over the all over the ring for you. Mm -hmm. Brock isn't going to do that. And here's the thing: if they try to go in there and work an MMA style, that's probably gonna look like crap. Yes. So because they can't, because they can't, because one of the too many of their base instincts would take over, and it's not going to it's not gonna look like it's not gonna look right. Yeah, so Plus we've already seen the real thing. Yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, it's like uh, to me, this uh, they could have done this match and had Kofi is before the three count. Kane and Mysterio come out, Brock gets distracted, Kofi hits the trouble in paradise, gets the win, or even if Kane attacks him and, and it's a DQ, you know, like the title did not need to be involved in this you know, heavyweight bout for crown jewel. It, it doesn't, it's not needed. 
is more unnecessary than what we were talking about, um, you know, offline with, you know, Jericho and Michaels' feet. Like this, it's an accessory. It's a prop. It's not needed whatsoever. You can continue the storyline with Kofi. And then if Fox wants to bet on Brock, you can put the, the belt on Brock afterwards once he's done with his you know work with Kane Velasquez. Because you know you're not going to put the belt on Kane. You completely take away any possibility of Kane winning that, that match by having the belt involved. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. You've got Brock is the very definition of a guy who doesn't need the belt. Right. You know, you, you know, he, he doesn't need the belt. You know, I think, you know, he, he's a guy that most people look at and go, okay, yeah, no one's really going to beat him in a fight. You know, if wrestling's real, you're not, you're not going to beat him, you know, um, if you, you have know, to be really, really good to beat him. Right. And, you know, if, if he was at a hundred percent, it was a straight wrestling match, then, you know, then in his prime, Kurt Angle is going to beat him. Um, but in a, in a fight, fight, not even Kurt's beating him. Right. So you've got, you know, but at the same time, he doesn't need the belt. If he's not going to be around all the time, to me, it 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 tarnishes the title by not having it there. Now, no, they'd say, oh, it makes it more special. But to me, the, those days are gone. You've got so much wrestling on TV. If your champ isn't going to be there, if he's not going to defend the title, mm-hmm. then why? Why, 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 have, why is he the champ? Yeah. Right. So you, you need to have someone who can be there. I mean, you may, you know, back in the day, you didn't see the champ wrestle on TV, but Ric Flair was always on TV. Hulk Hogan yeah. was, always, Hulk was cut, always on TV. Always Hogan was always here. promos. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, if Brock doesn't want to be on TV all the time, if he doesn't want to appear, if he doesn't want to do matches, then that's fine. Use him as a special attraction. You know, Austin, Michaels, Austin Rock, they didn't think we're wrestling every Raw. They came, they cut promos. Triple H, too. They they weren't working every week, but they were there. But you can use him like a modern day Andre, where Andre wasn't there all the time. But he also didn't have the belt. Right. But he would show up when needed. He was a special attraction. And they used him for for whatever, you know, do the same thing with Brock. But, you know, if you're going to put the belt on him, you can't hold up everything in your promotion just for him. Right. I agree. So it, it just makes it ridiculous. That will be interesting is if they, uh, well, that's just my, my wishful thinking is uh, put put him, Shelton, and Gable together as a, as a you know, stretching or a grappling stable and, and let them, and let Heyman talk for him and do something interesting. But, you know, they'll never do that. Or they could let Jason Jordan talk for them. Oh, no, let's, let's, let's not do that. That's a bad idea. <laughs> That's just a, I know I like Jason Jordan. He's a nice guy. That's a bad idea. Did you see that Shorty Gable? It said Shorty Gable on SmackDown. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's horrible. That's that's. I mean, I mean, I know he's short, but good God, that's that's horrible. That's so disrespectful. Um, so let's um, so just to, to to wrap this up. Um, what's what's the, what's the story here? What which is a crap story, in my opinion. But how do you see this Kane uh, Velasquez Brock Lesnar thing ending? Do you think it's going to go beyond the Crown Royal match, or is it? You know, the, do you need a drink there, Matt? Because you just called it the Crown Royal match. I sure did. Mm-mm-mm. Um. <laughs> I sure did. I feel like I need a drink talking about this. Um, the, um, you know, I, I don't know because there's, we don't know. There's no like firm word, firm word yet on what Kane's contract status is. Right. So 
it would, you know, without knowing that, it's hard to know what's going on. I mean, what do you do with somebody like him in a promotion where, you know, it's like Brock, he's a guy that should be able to beat everybody up. Yeah. So, you know, this guy beat the crap out of Brock Lesnar in like a minute in a real fight. So, so you've got two UFC, you know, world heavyweight champions and who's going to beat them. Right. So what do you do with him? You know, uh, you know, it makes it tough, you know, for me to think that, that, you know, Elias is going to beat him with a high knee, you know? So it's, you know, I mean, it, it, it just makes it, uh, there, there are some UFC fighters that I could see transitioning and it being believable, you know. Generally smaller guys, yeah. McGregor's, the guys yeah. that have that uh, flair as well. You you know they're selling the fight. You know they're, you know, they've got some gimmick feel to them. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean. Well, I mean, like, like Paige Van Zandt, like she's talked about going to WWE. Yes. Like if she transitioned, I could see her doing it. She's not big. No. She's lost several matches. She's she, she, never, had, she never had a um that dominant run like right. Ronda had where it's like, okay, no one can really beat her. Right. So like I think she'd fit in perfectly. But someone and, like a, a big name, someone like a like a John Jones or even right. even though Cormier's lost, like he's really only lost to Jones. So it's like Someone of that level is like, okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you say he's only lost to Jones? No, not only. Did, like, but did, did, did you not see Stipe knock him out? Yeah, but Stipe got lucky. Hey, when you throw, if you th- aim for someone and you hit them and they get knocked out, that's not luck. He got lucky. That That's not luck. He, if you he, throw. He got, he got lucky if you, he survived. If you, if you Cormier, aim. You we were both watching that fight. Cormier was messing him up. And then he hurt him, and then he, he got. He's like, I'm not gonna call luck. He was he, fortunate; he was able to hurt Cormier. He 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 weathered the storm, and he and he uh, you know, Cormier himself said that, he, that hey, I didn't see the punch coming, and he hurt me good. Yeah, he sure did see that punch coming. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you see Cormier after that fight, he was like, uh, yeah, uh, um, ah, uh, yeah, I was, um. I didn't see that. Oh, uh, yeah. He, I didn't see that one. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, even after Jones messed him up, he wasn't talking like that. But no, after that Stipe punch, he was just like, ah. Uh, Stipe's he, a powerful dude. But Stipe yeah. is somebody that could, that could transition um, if he had the, you know, if he had some flair to him, uh, where people wouldn't be like, okay, this guy, he's a legit tough guy, but he's not, he's not infallible. He's not super dominant. Although technically he is the most dominant heavyweight champion of all time. Yeah, but no one looks at him that way. <laughs> He's not perceived that way. No, because he has lost some fights to some guys he probably shouldn't have lost to. Right. Like Stefan Struve. Right. Which mm-hmm. most people can't name. Right. But if you, but if you, I, although I'm sure if they fought again today, that would go much differently. Yeah, that'd be interesting, but you know, I think they're talking. I think Cormier says he wants a, another shot back, but we'll see. Well, that. well, Dana said that that's what they're going to do. I, I I haven't heard Cormier say that, but that I heard Dana say that's what they're going to do. Yeah, Corm- yeah, that's from yeah, Dana talking for Cormier. Yeah, well. he because because Cormier had said he was because I think at one point Cormier said he was going to retire. And and then Dana said, "No, he's not going to retire. He's going to face Stipe again." Yeah. Well, he, yeah. He, he knew he knew what the draw was for that fight. So Dana is no fool. Yeah. Um, well, Dana's big on talking for fighters. Like when when Weidman knocked out Anderson Silva, and Silva was like, "I I'm I'm done with the the, the middleweight title. I I only uh, I I I have fun fight from now on." And then Dana was like, "No." Rematch, rematch, yes. rematch, rematch. And, money, and then and then Weidman broke his leg. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, folks, that is it for this episode of Breaking Ring Rust. I am your host, Rocky Mitchell. Let me start that over. 
Well, geez, that is it for this episode of Breaking Ring Rust. I am your host, Rocky Mr. Magic. He's the cold heart, and we want to thank you for listening. But we could not possibly do this show alone, not without you geeks who support us. Please rate and review the show for your on your podcasting app of choice. Share it with your friends. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, and more. And if you can't find us, let us know at Jignation at, at gmail.com or message us on Facebook at Jignation. And we will make sure that we get on that podcasting tool. And until next time, get yourselves over, Marks. Let's get cracking, McCracken.